one final time here in the fast lane on this Thursday afternoon. Reminder, Ed is out today. I'm filling in for him. He'll be back tomorrow. We'll give our votes of confidence for the race at Watkins Glen tomorrow. Plus some other over-unders, some other fun stuff, previewing the NFL a little bit tomorrow with our votes of confidence. But to talk a little Watkins Glen as well as a little indie road course from this past weekend, he is the host of Bringing the Heat with Brian Nolan. He is my front stretch colleague at the Brian Nolan on Twitter. My good pal, my friend, the person I am nicest to in this world. Brian, <laughs> how are you doing, my friend? Boy, you really sugarcoated it there, my friend. But uh, I'm doing well, buddy, pal, friend, whatever you acquaintance, however you want to describe our uh, friendship, relationship, business ship. Uh, any 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 way you want to describe it, but I'm doing good, Trey. Thanks for having me on, buddy. I, like always, I miss Ed, but uh, you're a good consolation prize. Oh, thank you, thank you. Well, <laughs> uh, something I mentioned at the Fast Five at Five-ish before we get into the races, NASCAR dropped NASCAR Classics, uh, I believe yesterday, dropping, they, they had a list of the 75 greatest races of all time. It has over 1,000 NASCAR Cup Series races available for free. Keyword there for ad-free viewing. Um, Two questions. What are your overall thoughts about this? And two, have you watched any old-school races yet? And if so, which ones? First off, I absolutely love it. So shout-out. Shout-out to uh, NASCAR. Um, Fantastic um, that they're doing this. And second off, um, I I have, actually. I I watched the 2002 Watkins Glen race because I randomly threw it on. I I was like, you know what? I'm just going to click one. And um, I pressed the Watkins Glen since that's where they're going. And uh, I pressed a, a random one. I closed my eyes and pressed it and it landed in the 2002 category. So I was like, you know what? We're going to watch 2002. At the time, it was called Sirius Satellite uh, Radio at the Glen. So it, it was a little different. But uh, I, I have. I've watched a couple of them. And um, I think it's, it's, it's spectacular. Um, it it kind of came out of nowhere. But it was really, really cool. But uh, I'm going to flip it over now and ask you the same question. Have you watched any um, races on NASCAR Classics yet, buddy? So I currently have pulled up the 2014 Daytona 500. So I've been watching oh, bits and pieces okay. of that. Obviously, that's Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s second Daytona 500. So that that's the one I'm currently on. I might flip back to some years at the Glen. I do like how you can sort by track. I do, too. So that that makes it like they even have like Riverside, Suzuka, Cirque. Like they have, you know, racetracks that they don't go to anymore on here as well so it's 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 cool to see let's talk the racing and we'll talk playoff bubble we'll talk everything but let's talk about michael mcdowell himself how does how does that feel like how how was your reaction to the performance he put on this past sunday at indianapolis where he was coming in below the cut line even though it let's say he finished second that day i think he get and someone who already won or someone who was above the cut line won. He probably gets back to 16th um, if he finished, let's say, second that day. But what were your reaction of that performance, especially, you know, really ultimately dominated that race and then that last, you know, stint uh, after the pit stops, he had Chase Elliott trying to, you know, chase him down and and ultimately is able to get his second career win. You know, Michael McDowell always is, is you know, up in the front in road courses, and that's to be expected. Now, are we always expecting him to win? Of course not. Are we even expecting him to win once? Doubtful. What he did on Sunday is absolutely incredible, Trey. Not only did this guy win, he absolutely smoked. 
evokes the field. Sure, he didn't lead every single stage uh, break, mainly because of the different kind of pitch strategy. However, he smoked the field, and there was no doubt in anyone's mind who the best car of the day was. Sure, Chase Elliott got a little bit close to the end, but the 34 car and and Bob Jenkins at front row, I mean, it was absolutely incredible. 34 probably had the best car ever, um, and I, you saw the emotion that he had, and it was a little bit better because his only other win was Daytona 500, and that was during the COVID year, and he really couldn't celebrate that, so his kids and his wife weren't there. And uh, you saw all of his, uh, I think he had seven kids or six kids, um, and, then his, and then his wife, and you, you saw the emotion. And I do think this one's a little bit more special, and no disrespect to Daytona or anything. I, I love Daytona. It's one of my favorite tracks. But to win a road course, you have to be very, very skilled. It's not just like right place, right time at Daytona. For, for a road course, you got to be on the wheel every single turn of every single corner of every single lap for every race. You want to have a chance to win, and for that specific race, McDowell did. So incredible, an absolutely incredible job by the 34 team. Travis Peterson, first year with McDowell. Um, I, I talked to a couple of people in the industry, and McDowell was on the verge of retirement last year because basically his entire team left, Trey. His entire team left, um, and he, he didn't know where to, and, and Bob Jenkins, everybody said – Let's just start over. We we know that you're you have the great caliber of a driver, and and um he he's been uh, getting top tens week in a week out. Sure, there's been some top tens and even top fives that he has not been able to get because of some unfortunate circumstances at the end of races. But you know what? When it was all said and done at the Indy Road Course, he got that trophy and uh, that playoff berth. Yeah, and uh, let let's talk about that. Like if he were tired today, which He's not. Obviously, he's got the option for next year. I think uh, having the pretty rubber stamp of winning, you know, at the two most iconic racetracks arguably in the world has to be a pretty good thing. I mean, yeah. It, it kind of reminds me of this generation's Jamie McMurray. I mean, sure, he hasn't won the Coke 600, but uh, Jamie Mack won the Daytona 500, and then he won the Brickyard. Obviously, the Brickyard and the road course are two completely different things. Um, but he kind of does remind me of a of, of a Jamie McMurray S, where you can run at, at the time it was restricted, but now it's just super speedways, and then his road courses as well. Um, I mean, he, Trey, this is a guy that was starting and parking ten years ago. Could you imagine a guy that used to start and park races where you literally start the car, you run twenty laps, and then you leave for multiple years? He is now a Daytona five hundred winner and a winner at Indianapolis. I mean, I certainly couldn't. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, you know, we have a, a chat for the Happy Hour podcast that you're a part of, and Tom Tom Bowles, our, our boss, is a part of, and he said, he asked us, do you think he has the most underrated career? And that was one of our topics this week for, for the Happy Hour podcast, which you can check out. You you actually had a great interview with the owner of FRS Racing in the Xfinity Series, Colin Fern. That interview is out. You also w- sat down with Jared Haas uh, for Bringing the Heat with Brian Nolan. That's out right now as well. But let's let's before we talk about the Watkins Glen and the playoff bubble, I I, I do want to ask you um, about the Oval at Indianapolis. You touched on the Brickyard. It appears that it's heading back to the Oval next year for the 30th anniversary of racing at the Brickyard. Do you believe that's the right decision for the Cup Series? Do you believe it should just stay with the Cup Series and let's say the Xfinity Series stays on the road course? Uh, or, or do you think there should be maybe the the third option of, of doing more at IRP? Yes, yes, yes. Third option for 
the millions and millions of yeses in the world. I R P forever. That's one of my favorite tracks. Um, and it will never, ever, ever happen, but I wish the Cup Series would go there. Um, but I, I want, uh, I'm glad the Truck Series returned. I want the Xfinity Series to go there. Um, and I think when it's all said and done, it's the 30th anniversary coming up next year of them racing at Indy. And I think that they're going to go back to the Oval, whether we like it or not. I think we, we've seen so many great races on road courses about 10 years ago. We Everybody was like, oh, we want more road courses. And now we've oversaturated um, with, with road courses. So with that being said, I feel like taking one away is not going to be the end of the world. And I feel like that's going to be okay um, with, with going back to the Oval because the Oval has a better package. And, and the past few years before they did the transition to the road course, it was really, really lame racing. And no disrespect to any of those races. It just it wasn't enjoyable. There was barely any passing. The only interesting parts were restarts and then the extravaganza at the end of races in which it took like five overtimes. And Casey Kane won on a Monday basically evening um in which that that was crazy in itself um but i i, I digress i i just feel like cups should go back to the oval just to see it and i mean it's not nothing set in stone trey you can still go back to the road course if, if two to three years down the road this is lame again i mean it's not we're not going to be held by leaking legal documents saying no i'm forcing you to stay on the oval until further notice i mean they can switch it out come on yeah, I agree with you. I, I've always had a special place for the Oval. Uh, I, I always thought they should stay to the Oval. I, I never felt great about the road course. I'm kind of glad that they have this all settled and they're going to go back to the Oval. I'm excited to see that. I think it, it might produce even a better race than what we saw, uh, you know, with the road course, just the way this car has been at, you know, the bigger, you know, two two mile to a mile and a half tracks. But let's talk about the playoff bubble before we talk Watkins Glen as I'm with Brian Nolan at the Brian Nolan on X, on Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I was told earlier by Andrew Alex that I should just call it Twitter, so I'll stick to that. Um, Brian, obviously, Michael McDowell takes a spot. Bubba Wallace sitting at plus 28, which is probably a good spot for him considering uh, it'll be very hard for him to get fully overtaken unless he, he wrecks out the race uh, at Watkins Glen heading into Daytona. But, you know, the the only four points separate the 15th spot between Brad Kizilowski and Kevin Harvick. So my, my question to you is simple. Checkered flag is waved at Daytona. Are we more likely to see the drivers who are in the playoffs right now stay that way? Or is Kevin Harvick or Brad Keselowski going to be out of the playoffs? I think, and I'll give you a crystal ball, I think the number nine car, and you said it from here on out that he was not going to make the playoffs, he's going to say, what now, Trey? And he's going to win at Watkins Glen on Sunday. And we're going to go and fast forward uh, six days, hopefully not a week, hopefully it's just six days, and go to Daytona. Weather permitting, fingers crossed, because we all know uh, Daytona weather and how that's crazy. And I think it's going to be the number 23 car and Bub Wallace winning at Daytona. And I think Kevin Harvick is going to do anything and everything in his path to, to get into the playoffs. He is not afraid to wreck someone. I think he's going to wreck someone in order to get into the playoffs. The number six car, Brad Keselowski, does not get into the playoffs. And it, it's, it's going to be, I think, a mess. And unfortunately, I think Harvick misses too. Wow, you think Harvick misses as well? Whoo! I am. I, I am. Uh, I, I am shocked by that. I think this is the worst case scenario for NASCAR. I mean, I they they'll never admit it, but I think they wanted like Chase Elliott to win over Michael McDowell because let's say Chase 
wind um, at Indy this past, this previous weekend, and then we have a guy like Ty Gibbs win, and you have Ty Gibbs now in, and then Bob Walls wins or something. You have that, and then Harvey gets the last win on points. It would be McDowell missing out, and then you would have like Brad Keselowski. Now you could have Harvick and Keselowski, two former champions, missing out. But you have Michael McDowell. I mean, let's be honest, Trey. TV moves needles, and who's going to attract more viewers, Kevin Harvick or Michael McDowell? I think we all know the answer. Well, I uh, disagree with you. I think the the way the playoffs are, it's going to stand right as it is. Just saying. Oh. That's how I feel. I feel like. Oh. Uh, so who's going to win Sunday? Then is, are we going to have a repeat winner like Larson or someone? Well, or, well, that's or a great question. And you know when you can get your answer? I think tomorrow. Tomorrow on the fast lane during our votes okay. of confidence segment, uh-huh. uh, I will I'll spoil Ed's pick. He'll pick Ty Gibbs to sweep the weekend. Because if I asked Ed that question, he would say Ty Gibbs gets one of the spots because he's going to win uh, at Watkins Glen. But I will I will say that's called a tease for you, Brian. Um, I love, love it. Uh, I will tease that and I will I will give my pick tomorrow. But I will say I am leaning towards someone that if you take Ty Gibbs' number and turn it around. Then that might be my pick. Who, uh, who might be uh, Bob Wallace might be his biggest fan come this weekend. So, uh, as for Watkins Glen, obviously you you touched on Chase Elliott. Um, we can preview the race a little bit more in a moment, but uh, to me, this is his best chance to win a race. I I feel like I've said it already earlier this week. I said it on Happy Hour. It's either he wins this race or he doesn't make the playoffs. That's kind of how I feel at this point. Do you agree with that sentiment? Do you think like? Do you think this Chase needs to view this as kind of his his game seven moment? He's got to go all in and try to get this victory. Oh yeah, he, I mean, with how unpredictable Daytona is, they're gonna have to go all out. And I felt like last week, Trey, we saw a little bit different from Chase. I felt like he was like the back to normal Chase, and maybe he just had to. We just had to wait till what middle of August or something like that for him to be hundred percent now. Um, and so I felt like he was totally back to normal and. I will be shocked. I can't believe I'm going to say this, Trey, but I'll be shocked if he doesn't win on Sunday because we know how amazing he is at Watkins Glen. He should have won last year, but uh, he got kind of got moved out of the way by his teammate Kyle Larson. Um, so I, I think he is the favorite. And if we have a surprise winner like AJ Allmendinger, I mean, he finished. Uh, he was battling it out um, in the final restart last year in that number 16 car. So he definitely loved. Um, to uh, compete at Watkins Glen. I mean, he, he's also won. He won his first career, career race there for a JTG uh, Dory racing um, at, at the time. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see him. But, I mean, he's got to be the favorite, right? He is listed as the favorite. Uh, he's not my favorite. Um, so I, I just want to point it that way. I will not be picking Chase Elliott tomorrow in the fast lane because I like to be right. And uh, I, I am staying on the Chase Elliott will not make the playoff playoff banner and I, I have to stick to that which I, I think you could respect that Brian yeah I can I'll, I'll give you credit there bro alright as as for Watkins Glen uh, you, you touched on AJ you touched on Chase uh, is there someone else you're keeping your eye out that uh, you know it should be uh, fairly competitive this weekend you know um, I mean it's, we're kind of beating a dead horse but I mean whenever we go to a road course Kind of someone under the radar is Chris Buescher, man. I mean, he was top 10 here last year. Uh, he had, like, eight straight top 10s at road courses until last week, in which he finished 11th. So, I mean, 
he's so under the radar. He's won two races this year, kind of uh, not not really breaking out, but we're finally seeing what he truly is made of, um, and and it's cool to see. Um, so I mean, I'm going to keep an eye on him. You got to keep an eye on Ty Gibbs. He's a great road course racer. Got to keep an eye on Daniel Suarez. Um, and then I think those are the three guys. And then obviously, like that 45 uh, that you, you, were, you were mentioning, I think Tyler Ruddick, he, he's going to be itching and he's going to be hungry. Um, I mean, he's only got one, one win and now he'll be back in May. So um, I, I think he's going to be itching for a, for a win as well. Also, we got some great SRX coverage tonight with uh, the man who joined you in the podcast, Jared Haas. He's, he's out in Missouri, um, you know, at uh, Lucas Oil, not IRP. Um, and uh, for some dirt track racing. Uh, so I will ask the same question you asked Jared on the podcast. Uh, who who ends up being the uh, champion of SRX? Does Tony get it done for a second time, pull off a miracle, or does his former employee, Ryan Newman, get it done? Newman's up by 39 points, and I'm not sure how the SRX point system really works, but I'm thinking that is a fairly large margin to a try and, and beat in one race. So I'm going to go with, with the uh, the rocket man and Mr. Ryan Newman. I think uh, he's just got too big of a lead, even if Tony wins and, and he finishes, what, like third or something, he'll still win the title. So I do think that he will get uh, his first career SRX trophy. So I'm, get, I'm going to go with Newman. Ryan Newman gets it done tonight on uh, ESPN. Nine o'clock, obviously, is SRX. And, uh, Speaking of someone who's who's made for prime time, Brian Nolan, frontstretch.com. Uh, before before I let you go, my friend, all the way out in Idaho, so you can finish cleaning off your equipment. This, which to you, it's 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 actually you know it's it's about you know almost six o'clock here. It's almost uh, four o'clock where you're at. So you you know you're you're working hard. Uh, wh- where can uh, listeners connect with you? Uh, Trey, you, you are you are buttering me up, Buttercup. I mean, you, you are the nicest you've ever been to me. I appreciate this, buddy. I'm um, always at, this nice to you, always. At, at the Brian no, at the Brian Nolan on the Twitter, and then um, you can follow me also on the Instagram at the Brian Nolan. And then FrontStretch.com every single Thursday afternoon, uh, produced by the fantastic Trey Lyle, bringing the heat with Brian Nolan, and then uh, the, uh, the podcast that you do with our boys Dalton Hopkins and Michael Massey, uh, called Happy Hour. That's uh, basically our take on DVC. So it's always it's always a good time. We had Preston Partis come on um, this past weekend. It was a fantastic chat. Listen to it while I was working this morning. So great stuff um, as always. And um, thanks for having me on, brother. I appreciate it, buddy. Thanks. Thanks for joining. That will do it for today in the Fast Lane. Ed will be back tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening to the Fast Lane with Ed Lane. But today it was me, Trey Lyle right here on CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg, a part of the Virginia Talk Radio Network.